the the spinal movements are really crucial just the basic spinal movements bending forward arching back leaning side to side and then rotating are the simple ways that our spine is designed to move and if we could just move our spine through its full range of motion every single day a lot of us would have much greater spinal health as we age than we do Hi, and welcome back to The Core. My name is Nick Mombello, and each week I bring you conversations with inspiring people that can add value to the world and who we can learn from in order to be better than we were the day before. This week I have an episode with my friend, Dr. Ben Glass. Dr. Ben is a chiropractor out of the Bay Area that I've actually seen a couple times now for some back issues that I've been having for the past couple years. I was really impressed with how Dr. Ben looks at health holistically, not just your back and the back problems you're, have, you're having, but also what environment you live in, what air you breathe, what water you drink, and when you work out, what exercises are you doing, and then how all those individual stressors affect your body in a way that can kind of tell a story and explain why you're feeling certain things in your body. Whenever we're together, our conversations are really informative and he's just a wealth of knowledge that I always learn from and the conversations that I have with him, I'm always really grateful for. Over the past couple years, I think because I'm now in a more sedentary work life scenario, I sit at a desk working on the computer, some aches and pains started to creep up that I wasn't really happy about and over the over time foundation training I've used Dr. Kelly Stretz Mobility Wad which is now the Ready State and then finally seeing Dr. Ben really helped me combat my back pain and figure out a way that I can move freely without pain. I'm an advocate for spinal health, spinal hygiene and overall just being able to move properly because I think moving properly is important and being able to enjoy what you're doing can really have a positive effect on your life. Dr. Ben is passionate about combining social justice, chiropractic care, and creative thinking to solve many of the challenges we face today in our community. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to the show. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for listening and here we go. Hi, Ben. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I always enjoy the conversations that we have, and I thought you'd be a great guest to have on the podcast. Um, I'm really grateful to have you here, and so welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here with you. Appreciate you. Could we dive into your background a little bit? What was life like growing up, and what was the driving force for you to become a chiropractor? So... I grew up in a medical family. My dad is a osteopath and both of my uncles are medical doctors in a pretty diverse area of New York, just outside the city, one of the suburbs. And I grew up amongst all different types of cultures and basically was an athlete my whole life. When I went to college, I didn't know what I was going to major in. So I chose exercise science because I wasn't really sure that I had 
uh, clarity about anything else except for that I knew how to exercise, move my body, and I understood that that would carry me forward in that specific course of study. And so I had a bit of a bumpy road in college. I, I transferred a couple of different times because of different reasons, but um, ultimately I finished at Temple University with a bachelor's of science in kinesiology. And my background was leading me down a more medical path. I was thinking I was going to try and become a physician's assistant or maybe an optometrist. And I did this independent study project my last semester of college that actually brought me to chiropractic uh, by surprise. I had never considered it previously, never grew up going to a chiropractor. And basically, I realized that chiropractic is not an option that most people think about in college or in high school. And uh, it really struck me that I was completely in the dark about this profession, which today I'm now practicing um, out in the Bay Area. So I went to school in Philadelphia. I'm from New York, moved out to the Bay Area for chiropractic school and chose to stay because culturally chiropractic is more uh, accepted, more embraced out here, but also because I wanted to stay close to the chiropractic school. There's a tons of resources that they offer. And uh, my partner, Irina, was still in chiropractic school when I graduated. So I stuck around um, to be present and, and close by for, for her to finish up. And now we have an office here in Oakland, uh, California, Bay Area. And my background is really what helped me become prepared for the diversity that Oakland offers. And uh, today I'm working with people from all different backgrounds of education, ethnicity, uh, cultural awareness. And mm -hmm. it's really awesome that I had that type of an upbringing to allow me to connect with people of all different backgrounds, just like yourself. Yeah. Um, so what is chiropractic and what are the theories behind it? Yeah. So when I was going into chiropractic school, I thought of chiropractic very similarly to physical therapy in that it's physical medicine. It looks at the body as a bunch of different parts and it focuses on the spine. And when I got to chiropractic school, I realized that chiropractic had this philosophy, uh, about how there's an intelligence within the body that we leverage with a chiropractic adjustment mm -hmm. and that the chiropractor's objective is to identify where there's vertebral subluxations in the spine, which are specific segments of the spine that are not moving freely. We call them segmental movement deficiency spots, or I call them that. And so chiropractic's really freeing up structures in the spine so that the intelligence within the body can express itself at 100%. And we believe that a person cannot optimize their function if they have areas of their spine which are not functioning optimally. And we believe it's one of the most often overlooked uh, ways that someone can improve their function, improve their performance in life because they can't see their spine, 
they've never had their spine measured and their idea of chiropractic is just that it's this low back pain neck pain headache profession that if nothing else works go try that if your foam roller is not helping if your physical therapy didn't work if your prescription medications are not helping then go try the chiropractor as a last resort mm -hmm. and so for me chiropractic is actually uh, primary care uh, preventative health care but also proactive health care just like personal training or nutrition can be where you're trying to um, balance your blood sugar levels even though you're not diabetic you're trying to uh, increase your lean muscle mass and decrease your body fat percentage even though uh, you're not obese and so to me going to the chiropractor is like going to the gym it's yeah. not really optional I mean, you don't have to go to the gym. You can move. You don't have to exercise. You can you can move enough throughout the day. But for me, chiropractic's this essential thing that has been around for about 120 years. And as the research comes out, we begin to learn more and more about how the chiropractic adjustment influences the brain and how the areas of the brain that the adjustment influences are tied into a person's consciousness, a person's awareness and the choices that they make. So there's been many generations of chiropractors at this point. And mm -hmm. the school that I went to, I learned that um, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. So that when we're looking at a human being, we're not just looking at their body we're not just looking at their mind, but we're also looking at what's beyond that and that we can never fully understand how intelligent a person's body is and how to manipulate that. We just need to remove and reduce the stressors on the body so that the body can function how it knows how to at a higher level. Yeah. And I think both neurologically and physically perform at a higher level, right? Right on, right on. What do you mean by uh, neurologically performing? Being, being able to have mental clarity in what you're doing and not having headaches throughout the whole day and being able to just focus without pain, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pain, pain is something that people tend to focus on as being the end end of the process when they get out of pain well mm -hmm. then their process ends um and that's actually more of like an event-based way of thinking how we become conditioned uh with healthcare. uh it's more event-based once you're out of pain you're free to move on with your life as is yeah. or as it was um but yes neurologically the brain is always changing the nervous system neuroplasticity has been talked about in in many uh areas of study and chiropractic has shown clinically that the brain changes, the body changes. And it's as simple as that. A person's life changes as their brain changes. Yeah. And so we, we like to, we like to see over time how a person's life can evolve and, and how we can inspire people to create these evolutionary shifts in their life. I didn't realize it was 120 years old. Do you know the background or history on it? Um, it's a pretty in-depth study, the mm -hmm. history of chiropractic. The original chiropractor had been studying 
the healing arts for about 10 years. He was a beekeeper in Iowa, and he was a magnetic healer. So he was working one-on-one with people and, and seeing how you by using his hands and also using magnets, he was yeah. able to help people. And so one day, a janitor uh, asked him to basically uh, take a look at his, his back, um, that he had like a kink in his spine. Mm-hmm. And um, when that, that person, D.D. Palmer, his name was, uh, put a force into the spine, the janitor had an improvement in function, actually in his hearing function. And it, it brought some awareness to Didi that, hey, there's something to the spine that people are not looking at. Yeah. And right around the same time, this was 1895, um, the founder of osteopathy was also producing literature um, about the idea of how the circulatory system was the master control system of the body. And... Didi felt like the nervous system was the master control center and looked at the relationship between the spine and the nervous system Mm -hmm. and how we didn't need pills, potions, and lotions to fix people. We just needed to restore normal function to the spine. And as a result, the body would undergo a series of processes that would bring somebody back to balance in health. Yeah. And so he was help, he was advertising that he could help people heal without drugs or surgery. Yeah. Fast forward uh, 15 years, his son gets old enough to take over the family business, which at that time was beginning to teach chiropr- young chiropractors. And his son would go on to publish approximately 50 books uh, pretty oh, wow. large size volumes on the research that they were doing, really detailed research on if we adjust somebody at this time of day, does it work better than at this other time of day? If we allow somebody to rest for this amount of time, and they, they even developed a bunch of new technologies, which I can't even pronounce the names back then. They were <laughs> um, today, uh, thermography, electromyography, and heart rate variability are some of the technologies besides x-ray and radiology that chiropractors use. But back then, they were um, doing different measurements. So the history of chiropractic is very rich. There's um, so many contributors that I've never even heard of. But even to this day, there's easily over 50 books that were published by different chiropractors that uh, made their own unique contribution to the yeah. study of chiropractic. And one thing I try to do health-wise is to look at all different aspects of your environment or your health or what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And I know in your practice, you try and take an entire picture of health. Why is it important to look at health holistically? Mm. So some of the key concepts that somebody who's interested in, in studying the, how the environment influences their, their function is allostatic load or allostasis. Mm-hmm. There's a number of researchers basic studying this concept, and what it is looking at is how our environmental stressors 
are reflected in our personal physiology, how our body basically changes according to the environmental factors, um, the choices we make, but also how, how clean is the air, how good is our water, how much movement are we getting, how much sleep are we getting. So that's, that, that's, a, that's a whole way that you can measure your choices um, and how they're impacting your health is through allostasis yeah. and allostatic load. And then epigenetics has showed us that the environment actually switches on and switches off the genes in our DNA. And just because we have a cancer gene doesn't necessarily mean that we're destined for cancer. It's challenging the central concept of medicine, which is that our genes determine our destiny and replacing that or challenging that by saying our choices determine our destiny. And if we make good choices, then those genes, those genetics that we have will not necessarily manifest in our body as they, as they basically, as we grow older, if we're living a disciplined life of eating, moving, thinking well, mm -hmm. then we'll end up uh, living a really high quality life, but we'll also have great health and we don't have to be a victim to our parents or our grandparents' choices. Yeah. One thing I don't think people take into account very often is the EMF or the electromagnetic frequencies that are in, are in our environment. And mm -hmm. sleep alone, if your body's constantly trying to combat the non-native frequencies in, in the house or in your environment, I think it can really inhibit how restful of a sleep you can get. And then mm -hmm. that just compounds day after day after day. If you don't get good sleep, your body can't recover from what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Absolutely. What, do you, what have you seen in regards to the EMFs, um, in, in regards to the literature or just anything you've learned about EMFs? Are you taking any steps right now to limit your EMF exposure? Um, well, we, we don't sleep with the phones in our room. We usually keep them outside uh, and put it on airplane mode. But depending on the, di the distance from how far it is, really can affect how much it affects you. Mm -hmm. And then we turn our Wi-Fi router off each night because it's not good to have Wi-Fi. And it's just another frequency going on. And we do live in, in a neighborhood which has Wi-Fi all around us. So it's hard. It's hard to get rid of everything, but it's important to do whatever you can to help yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's cool. And I just see the EMFs is coming right back to why it's important to take a whole health perspective within my chiropractic care is the EMFs are interfering with our body's ability to function normally. Yeah. Um, if we really get into what EMFs are doing to our cells, our cells have a certain amount of water in them and the EMFs can have an impact on the water in our cells if, if they're strong enough. Yeah. So one company that I've recently been researching, um, it's a husband and wife who are both PhDs and they published a book called EMF freedom. Mm -hmm. They, they worked with some manufacturers to create these little smart dots, which we've all seen. You can attach them to your phone, laptop, and 
they're claiming that theirs is more wide spectrum, more broad spectrum in regards to reducing all the different types of EMFs because there's multiple types. And yeah. uh, so I just from encourage your, from your phone. Yeah. So I just encourage listeners to take a look at uh, either their book if you want to read the research on EMFs or take a look at their website. They've got a bunch of different things that they've created them for. Yeah. And then what do you do with your water, your drinking water? Is there anything in particular to make it better than just the tap water? Yeah. Uh, with, as with everything, I try and support the people that I see with resources that I've tried and tested and experienced mm -hmm. myself. And same is true with the water filter. I did a bunch of research on what the pH was of the water that was coming out of a couple of different filters. And I wanted a pH that was normal. I didn't need it to be super alkaline, um, but I also didn't want it to be acidic. And I came across a company that I really liked. It's a small company called Survive and Prosper. They're based out of Long Island, New York. And their company is called Pure Effect Filters, or yeah. their, their model is a Pure Effect Filters. And yeah, just looking at uh, the radioactive isotopes from the Fukushima radiation spill, and then looking, because we're on the West Coast, and then looking at... Um, all the different compounds that leak out through our, our reservoir and our sewer systems into our drinking water. Um, water is the number one way that people are taking in toxins. It's either air or water, you know, 1A, 1B. And so making yeah. sure you have a good water filter, making sure you have a good air purifier. I always try and let people know that that's it. That's a uh, thing that's impacting their health. I focus on what's going on within them. But I also value what's going on around them just as much. So, are, are you currently reading or learning or working on anything right now? Right now, I because I went into this profession without a lot of clarity of what it actually was, and I never even heard of the profession until. I was in my senior year of college. I never really explored it because it, it didn't seem like it was even an option if it wasn't showing up on my list of, of potential avenues or, or career paths that I could follow after I got done with my kinesiology degree. Um, come to find out, my kinesiology degree prepared me perfectly for chiropractic school. So I'm creating a website right now called becomeachiro.com, which is really aiming to, to give context and help people focus on the specific things that a pre-chiropractic student needs to be to be uh, aware of, but also confident in going into this two hundred plus thousand dollar graduate school process. Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot of value in that. And recently, I've been following a kid on YouTube named uh, Denzel Napoleon Rodriguez. He okay. is a 23 year old uh, guy who's all about you viewing your life and you view and you building your kingdom and he has some spiritual and religious context that he puts that in but he's teaching you personal finance and yeah. I think that's so critical nowadays I, I do believe financial wellness is a part of your overall wellness picture it's not a topic that I shy away from when I work with people um Obviously, I want to keep it on their healing process and bettering their health. But so I'm always learning about 
what are what are some of the new innovations that are coming out in the health and wellness space but i think that getting your finances in order is is something that is super crucial especially me having all this student debt i need to know um what my 20-year plan is looking like and and i believe people should be thinking about that before they make these uh investments in graduate school which costs so much money and just the stress alone that financial debt or financial burden causes on somebody can really affect their overall health as well, right? Right. And it comes back to mindset, right? If you view this debt as, as bad debt, which is debt that is not supplying you a, a return on investment that's worthy of that debt, then absolutely you're going to live... Uh, in a state of frustration or concern. But if you view that debt as good debt, meaning you made an investment in yourself, in your life, and the contributions that you wish to leave for this world, then I believe that you're going to see the investment as being well worth it in the long run. Yeah. Is there anything that you do on a day-to-day -day basis to ensure that you are better than you were the day before? Well, yeah, a couple months ago, I started taking walks early in the morning, first thing before I look at my phone to naturally adapt my eyes to the light, but also to mm -hmm. increase my heart rate. And the first couple of minutes, I'll just spend listening, taking in the environment, and eventually I'll throw on some of the material that I've been studying um, to get inspired and to get focused for the day. But I'm trying to go for as long of a walk as I can. So I have to wake up really early. I've been waking up around five so that I can take a solid mm -hmm. hour and a half walk and then not eat too much into my day. But uh, I would say going for walks are really something that has benefited me and just slowing me down, taking in the environment, relaxation. And I like to uh, hike to this open space and then do some Wim Hof breathing from time mm -hmm. to time. Yeah. And, um, that has been something that's really helped me just keep rhythms in my day. And I believe that rhythms are so important. Anything that you can do at the same time every day is going to stick. It's going to be easier for you to stay with. And it's something that I've been, I've been working on with my walks. I think being able to get outside in first light and seeing the sunrise and all that can really positively affect your circadian rhythm. And it also affects your melatonin levels because when you wake up first and see the light, that sets you up to have a good cycle to go to bed and really promotes healthy sleep on that end as well. Absolutely. Uh, what, what type of things are you listening to that you said they're inspiring in the morning? I've been following a couple of different people that view finance and personal finance um, as a component of health. So Gary Gunderson with Wealth Factory okay. talks a lot about um, becoming your own bank. And so that's something that I've recently uh, taken action on and applied in my own life. And 
it's it's interesting. Something I've learned recently about money, just like health, is that um, with health, the more that you move, the more that you can expect your your energy to move, and the lighter you're going to become. Well, this this principle that at the law of supply and demand, the more you move, the more your body yeah. it begins to expect you to move and the healthier you become over time, if you can remain disciplined. I've been learning about how to do that with money and sure. how the more you move your money around, you can turn $1 into 4 or $5 through a concept called velocity banking. And then I've been learning about this other concept called infinite banking. And so I just invite the listeners to explore those topics. I think that they're very empowering to a person and they help a person really understand money and how to take control of their of their relationship with money so that they can become clearer on what their financial freedom actually looks like and move in that direction with a plan that's well-structured. Yeah, I think the first step in financial success is just having a plan and knowing what your goals are so you can work towards them. If you are going into financial anything kind of blindly, you're not going to be able to sustain what you're actually looking for. Um, is there anything that people can do on their own for their own spinal health each and every day that you would recommend? Yeah, one of the uh, core messages that I get across to people is they need to care for their spine like they care for their teeth. If they could see their spine, if they were walking around wearing their spine, they would mm -hmm. take so much better care of it. So to borrow from the dental profession, spinal hygiene is a way to continuously give love to your spine every day to... Uh, practice simple movements where you take your spine through its full range of motion. And a lot of people say, oh, I already do that in yoga. And that's cool. Uh, if you have a regular yoga practice, that's great. But if you don't, and you sit at a desk all day, sitting is for your spine, like sugar is for your teeth. So yeah, the, the spinal movements are really crucial. Just the basic spinal movements, bending forward, arching back, leaning side to side, and then rotating are the simple ways that our spine is designed to move. And if we could just move our spine through its full range of motion every single day, a lot of us would have much greater spinal health as we age than we do. That would be number one. <laughs> the, sec the second thing for the spine is getting checked by a chiropractor yeah. who uh, can look at your entire spine as one interconnected structure that really needs to be working in harmony with itself. There's multiple areas in the spine. And uh, just because you have neck pain doesn't mean that the source of that pain is coming from your neck. It could be coming from your lower back. It could be coming from the way that you align over technology, right? Yeah. Our alignment with technology is putting us in some really destructive patterns for our spine. So it's really important that people recognize uh, taking a small one-minute break or doing it in a in coordination when you brush your teeth you can move your spine or yeah. when you're washing the dishes you can move your spine and I'm, i usually break it down into uh neck movements and then mid to lower back movements and that's 
the best thing that people could do because it puts the power in into your hands, right? Teach you how to take care of your spine so you could take care of your spine for a lifetime. That's yeah. the goal that I have with everybody. What are your thoughts on being able to sit on the ground and um, being able to go from a standing position down to a sitting position? I don't think we spend enough time on the floor or being able to get into a full squat. What are your thoughts on that? Right. Found, foundation training is a great resource for people. It teaches you how to properly hinge from the hips as mm -hmm. you're going between a seated to standing position and vice versa, um, or how to go from laying on your bed to sitting up and standing up. I've, I find that a lot of people, when they get out of bed, they just sit right up and they use their hip flexors, yeah. which are the same muscles that are overly tightened because of the sitting posture that we're in all day. So being conscious of how you move your spine is really important. So I would say always move from your center. So whether it's using your abs, whether it's squeezing your inner thighs, people don't use their inner thighs enough, right? We're very yeah. much disconnected from those uh, inner thigh muscles, which are really a continuation of our lower back muscles. Um, but also taking time to pull, lift our chest up and pull our chin back. I mean, no matter what movement you're doing, if you just lifted your chest and pulled your head back over your shoulders, you'd be increasing the blood flow to your brain, which is what I see as the, and chiropractors see as the uh, computer, the master control center yeah. that powers your body. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really grateful that we could sit down and have a conversation. Where mm -hmm. can people find you if they want to learn more? or get a get an adjustment yeah they could find me uh at the shiftchiro.com okay that's the shift chiro as in chiropractic that's my office with dr irena the two of us uh, practice in downtown oakland we serve mainly oakland people or people that live in the city or other surrounding areas and come and work in oakland but one of the most important things when you're looking for a chiropractor is that uh, you look at the convenience factor, yeah. and that's going to determine how easy it is for you to maintain that relationship in times like this where if you're not nearby, it's going to be hard for you to get exactly. that care and get that access to care that's so important right now. And then for the project that I'm working on, it's called becomeacairo.com. Mm -hmm. And if people are interested in in sharing that with their uh, with their kids, with their friends' kids, or anyone who's going into healthcare and unsure of what the best path for them is. I've got a lot of different uh, tips and strategies that I give to young people or, or older people transitioning careers to uh, understand what that path looks like. So, yeah. Well, that's great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you sitting down and having the time to talk with me. Thank you so much, Nicholas. And, and this podcast has been great. I've been listening in and, and keep doing what you're doing, brother. This is really helping a lot of people. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I'm really grateful to have you here. Really grateful to have you listening and tuning in each week. We've really seen some growth over the, over the past couple weeks, and 
it's all because of you tuning in and listening. So thank you. Thank you for the feedback that some of you have given me. I really appreciate it. If you haven't already, please leave a rating. It really helps other people come across the show so they can listen as well, and we can help grow this community together. Also, consider subscribing if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode. That is all I have for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I will see you here next week on The Core.